chapter number 8, as we'll conclude this evening uh, with our study in this chapter, as we've looked at all of these verses, and we've talked about our liberty or freedom in Christ, and uh, I've enjoyed it. It's helped me, and uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes the preaching helps you, sometimes it helps me. And uh, when it's just right, it'll help both of us, amen? But uh, let's look in Romans 8. Pray for us this week. Uh, we'll be preaching in the morning at uh, the Temple Baptist Church and Youth Camp at Camp Hill. Tuesday night, I'll be in, uh, no, I keep wanting to say Crossville. I'll end up in Crossville yet. Lenore City, Tennessee. I'll be in Lenore City, Tennessee Tuesday night. And then I still am in the prayer room. I'm preaching in the meanest church in America Wednesday night, the Concord Baptist Church in Burnsville, North Carolina. Yeah, y'all help us pray. I'll be here Wednesday night, and so y'all help us pray. All right, Romans chapter number eight, and I want to begin our reading tonight. We'll pick up where we left off this morning. We'll begin our reading verse 31. Now, Paul has laid out a a lot of freedoms. We've already talked about the freedom from judgment. There's now therefore no condemnation, verses 1 through 4. Freedom from defeat, in verses 5 through 17. This morning I dealt with freedom from discouragement, verses 18 through 30. He gets done saying all that, look what he says in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? So what is fixing to happen here is going to be a summary. Paul's going to look back over all the things we've learned in Romans 8. And he's fixed to summarize those things. For what shall we say then to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything... To the charge of God's elect, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who, even at the, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distresses or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep of slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd touch and help in the service tonight. Lord, we need you, and God, we can't have church without you. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd manifest yourself real here this evening. Lord, as you are... Laying on our heart this afternoon some of these doctrines, great doctrines of the Word of God that we'll get to share tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to share them in spirit and in truth. 
Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want us to talk a little tonight about freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. And the reason that we can have freedom from fear is because there is no separation. No separation. I want us to think about that tonight. Now, we see in the verses we've already studied, there's no condemnation because we share the righteousness of God. There's no obligation to the flesh, you'll recall, because we have the Spirit of God. There's no frustrations because we share the glory of God. But then, thank God, there is no separation because you and I experience the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, Paul says. Who? Can anybody, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to preach a little tonight. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our security in Christ. I'm glad that I stand before Christ as righteous tonight. And if you're saved, you stand that way too. And that's enough that we all ought to run and shout a little while thinking about the fact that you and I stand righteous before a holy God. And I'm going to look at these verses. We're going to break them down. There are two, uh, there are two extremes in the area of salvation. One, of course, are the doctrines of Calvinism. And Calvin's doctrines say that, you know, man was chosen in God before the foundation of the world. And that certain men were predestined to go to heaven and certain men predestined to go to hell. And basically there's nothing that anybody can do about that. It just is what it is. On the other side of that spectrum you have the Armenian type doctrines. Uh, uh, free will and other, uh, other denominations espouse. And they basically say that you had a free will to get saved. But you can jump in and jump out and jump in and jump out. Both of those two extremes have a wrong view of the love of God. Because the Calvinists think that God only loves some. They don't believe in the universality of God's love prior to salvation. And the Armenian doctrine, they don't believe in the universal, uh, the universality of God's love after salvation. But I'm glad, thank God, that He loved the world. And died to save the world. And the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And then I'm glad once I got saved. I got put into the body of Christ. I got, I got uh, shed, the love of God shed abroad in my heart. And I got made righteous before him. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit tonight about our security in Christ. And talk to you a little bit. Now. I always think it's kind of, well, it's not comical, but it's, it's kind of strange. Those that espouse those other doctrines. For instance, those that believe in that Armenian view, they look at us and they say, oh, you believe in security in Christ and that meant you just believe that because you want to sin and get by with it. But I'm telling you, nothing could be farther from the truth. A man that would believe like that never was saved to begin with. That's like saying, you know, because I believe me and Rachel, we uh, were married till death do us part. And I mean, I believe that means death do us part. 
And you could say, oh, you just believe that because you want to run around with a bunch of women. Well, that's crazy. That don't make any sense at all. That's the same way about believing on this. We believe that we're secure in the love of Christ. And I'm glad, thank God, that his righteousness has been imputed unto me. I'm not what I used to be. But I'm not yet what I'm going to be. Hallelujah. But I'm secure in Christ. I don't have to worry about it. You see the other ways of believing. There's all kinds of ifs, ands, buts. But when you disbelieve the Bible, you find a security that brings peace in your heart and a contentment in serving Christ and an appreciation of the love of God. I'm glad God loves me when I'm doing good. But I'm going to tell you, I'm glad he loves me when I'm doing bad. Amen. Because I know me and a lot of times I'm not good. So let's think about it just a moment. He gives us five arguments down through these verses as to why you and I are secure and have no reason to fear. We can just believe because, listen to this, number one, we have no fear tonight because God is for us. Look at what the Bible said there, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now I cut my teeth, spiritually speaking, Brother Neil, on some of the meanest preaching that ever has come out this side of the Mississippi. And I tell you, I ran around with preachers that, and bless goodness, they eat nails for breakfast. And I'd, listen to, I'd listen to preachers as a young preacher. They believed everything was sin but one good cold drink of water. I mean, everything was wrong. There wasn't nothing right. That's the kind of preaching that I grew up under. And I'm not knocking it. I, I believe in, I love hard preaching. Amen. And like I told Todd McKinn one time, I said, you may preach it straighter and I live it, but you can't preach it straighter and I like it. Amen. But I, I'm telling you, there's, uh, I grew up with this ideal almost. And when I say grew up, I mean spiritually, 18, 19, 20 years old. Under this idea that God was somehow just waiting for us to mess up. You know, like he was just sitting there waiting on us. Boy, what, as soon as they mess up, watch this, I'm going to get them. And that God was just kind of walking around looking for us to mess up so he could whoop us and straighten us up. And I, I will have to admit that it negatively affected my parenting skills as a young parent. Because bless Trey's heart, that's how I parented him. And look how he turned out. I, I didn't do so great. I, no, I'm kidding. But I, I'd beat the socks off Trey for everything because I had the idea that that's how God was treating us. So I, I'm going to treat Trey that way. But I'm going to tell you tonight, that that's not right. The Bible said, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is not walking around looking to get us. He's look, he walking around looking to help us. He, he's, he's for us. God's for us. And boy, if there was one thing that you and I could kick the stops out tonight and say, well, glory, hallelujah, I'm glad God's for us. Amen. Now, let me say this to you tonight. Not everything's against you. You know, I was thinking about Jacob. Poor old Jacob over there in Genesis 42, 36. He cried out, all things are against me. But that wasn't true. That wasn't true in Jacob's life and it's not true in your life. 
But let's be honest, sometimes we convince ourselves of that. Now, the world's against us, the family's against us, and if we're not even careful, we'll get to thinking God is against us. But I'm glad tonight if we're saved, God is for us. You know what God wants? He wants the very best out of your life. He wants you to be happy. He does. And I'm not preaching some Rod Parsley mess. I'm not telling you he wants you to have a Cadillac and live in a mansion. But I do believe God wants you to be satisfied. I believe he wants you to be happy with life. I believe he wants you to live in the light of his love and enjoy his fellowship and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. I don't think it's wrong to smile. Hey man, life, hallelujah. I've been around some preachers. Buddy, a smile would have broke their face. It, the face just fell off. They'd smile. And I'm going to tell you, God is not, not everything's against you. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Bible, you'll find out that everything is planned for you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give to you an expected end. So the Lord said, I've got it laid out for you. I'm on your side. I'm working for you. I love you. Boy, that ought to erase fear in our lives. If God be for us, who can be against us? You say, well, the world's against us and the media's against us and this one's against us and that one's against us. Yeah, but they ain't God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So that's the number one thing. He says, listen, you don't have to fear because God's for you. But then secondly, he says you don't have to fear because Christ died for you. Look what he said in verse 32. He says there, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now this is similar to an argument that Christ himself made. One day when the disciples were nervous and worried, the Lord said to the disciples, he said, consider the lilies. They toil not, neither spin. Yet Solomon was not arrayed like one of these. He said, look at the fowls. Consider the fowls of the air. Consider the sparrow. Consider the raven. They have no barns to lay up. Yet God feedeth them. What he was trying to say. And then he said this. Are ye not much better than the sparrows? You see that what he was trying to get them to understand was that a God that would take care of the sparrows and a God that would take care of the uh, grass of the field would certainly take care of them. Well, here Paul, he takes it up a level. He says, this God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. Here's the thought. He paid a big price for you. And if he paid a big price for you, don't you think he's going to work to keep you where he needs you to be? Don't, he, don't you think tonight he's going to take care of you if he paid a big price for you? And I got that old blue truck. And uh, I never was under the impression it would be anything but a money pit. And I told Rachel, I said, well, we got a hot rod, we're broke. And uh, I don't have a payment, brother. I don't have a payment, brother Marvin, but what I do have is weekly expenses of fixing something that breaks. 
And uh, so this week was the whole front end. I got to noticing, I was riding down the road and it was all over the road and I thought, what's the matter with this thing? And I parked in the parking place, Brother Kevin touched the wheels real deep and I looked in a spot about this wide inside of both wheels, nothing but the wires showing. And so I took it to the place to get tires, get it lined up and they said, well, uh, that thing's been riding like this and this. He said, I don't hardly know how it's rolling down the road. And uh, by the time it was over, it needed ball joints. It needed it needed uh, it needed wheel it needed wheel bearings, control arm, and uh, some other things they just threw in for good good measure. Drives like a dream now. I mean, drives like a Cadillac. Not it don't even rattle going down the road anymore. It's great. And I walked in there and they said that'll be four hundred and thirty five dollars. I said, well, okay, she's worth it. And I give the four, and then I went over to the tire shop. That'll be four hundred and forty dollars. <laughs> Two tires. Whoo! I can remember you used to buy tires for eighty-five dollars. I said, "Well, here you go, four hundred and forty dollars. Nine hundred dollars later, I'm driving that old rattle trap back down the road. But you know what? I love it. I've got a lot of money in it. If it breaks down tomorrow, I'll pay it again because." Kyle, I'm too far into it now to back up. <laughs> I got too much money in it now. I mean, I ain't taking it to the junkyard now. I've, I'm done invested in that thing. I'm going to see to it that, it, that it. Well, I want you to think about how much the Lord has invested in your life. He gave it. Think about how God gave his son and the son gave his life. So that you and I could be born again. Do you think he's going to send you off to the junkyard? Do you think he's going to throw you away to the scrapyard? No. He spent too much. He's too well invested. And we can have confidence and no fear because of the high price that was paid for us. So there's Christ died for us. But then verse 33 We see that we can have confidence because God has justified us. Look what he said. Verse number 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now, I'm going to bring something up right here that I haven't mentioned since it happened because I've been sore over it. But a few months ago, I ended up in a court case that went to trial. And in my law enforcement career, I hadn't done much in life. But I was proud to say that everybody I had charged had been guilty and went to prison. I hadn't lost a one. Well, I charged this old boy way back. And it came up for trial. I charged him when I was working full time. And it came up for trial. And so they called me and I went for the trial. I knew he's guilty. He knew he's guilty. He really did. But we failed to prove it to the jury, apparently, that he was guilty. And so when they came in, they, uh, they, they got up and they give their verdict, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Boy, it cut me to the bone. It made, it made me mad. I don't want to talk about it for days. And I watched that old boy that I knew had committed the crime that he was accused of, walk out of that jailhouse free as a bird, free as a bird. Well, I got to thinking about that. 
And I got to thinking about how spiritually speaking, I was just like him. I, had, I was guilty. I was guilty. But I'm glad one day that I got an advocate and the judge of the universe gaveled and pronounced me justified. I'll tell you a funny story about that. I went downstairs and was starting to leave and there was somebody that's not a law enforcement officer that came up to me and said, maybe we could put a little more evidence together. And I said, no, no, he's, that's double jeopardy. We can't put no more evidence together and charge him again. It's over. You know why? Because when the gavel falls and the judge says not guilty, then of that charge, that person is not guilty forever. There's no way that you can ever bring that back up. Because in the eyes of the justice system, they're justified. Well, that ought to bring joy to our hearts tonight. Because what happened the day that I got saved, Brother Neil, was the gavel of the Almighty fell, and I was declared justified in the sight of God and there's nothing that can ever be done that will ever change that. It would be, it would be double jeopardy to ever bring it back up. Uh, hey, the God of the universe has declared me justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you realize tonight that we're not without accusation? Satan still accuses us. The Bible says there in Zechariah 3, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Is not this the brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garment from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I'll clothe thee with a change of raiment. The Bible said over there in Revelation 12 and 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. You see night and day before the throne of God, when Satan is allowed into that company, he's accusing me and you. He's saying, look what Bradley's doing. Look what Neil's doing. And I'm glad, thank God, like the old song says, the Lord says, what sins are you talking about? Because when he sees us, he doesn't see us. He sees the imputed righteousness of his son. And that's why we were able to be justified just as though we had never been a sinner to begin with. Boy, what confidence we have tonight. What freedom from fear we have tonight. If that ever settles in on you just right, it'll bring such peace and comfort to your heart. Have you ever been around somebody, they believe in that Armenian type of doctrine and they're tiptoeing around, worried all the time, you know, uh, they're gonna cross some line. I asked one of them one time, I said, well, what's the line? What's the line? If, you, uh, if you're going down the road and a dump truck comes over in your lane and just prior, you've lived your whole life for God and just prior to hitting that dump truck head on, uh, you, let a, you let a cuss word slip out of your mouth. 
Does that mean you're going to die and go to hell because that happened right before you died? And nobody can tell me where the line is. Well, no, now that ain't right. No, well, so nobody can say where the line is. But I tell you, one of the most comforting things to your heart is to know that once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Amen. And you abide in his love. And you've been justified in the sight of the Almighty. Nothing can change that. Oh, our Christian experience may change from day to day. We may feel more saved one day than we do the next. But if we're saved by the grace of God, we're just as saved when we feel like it as when we don't feel like it. Because we're justified by the Almighty. Watch this. Not only because God has justified us, Satan accuses us, God absolves us. But then look how that Christ intercedes for us. Verse 34, look what's said there. The Bible said, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Boy, what a verse. What a verse. Now I showed you this morning how that the Holy Ghost is groaning and making intercession before us on our behalf. Here we have a dual intercession. The Spirit intercedes, but then the Son of God is also interceding in heaven. Christ as our great high priest. His job is to, this is interesting. The job of the high priest was to bring God to man and to represent man before God. But Christ is not only our high priest, but he is our great high priest. He's the only one to ever have worn that title great. Great high priest. Just as the high priest would take that that, uh, breastplate with all those stones that represented the tribes of Israel and go into the holy place and represent all of Israel before God. I'm glad tonight our great high priest is before the throne of God. And he's representing every one of us tonight. He's, he's bringing God to us, but he's representing us before God. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Uh, and he is interceding on our behalf. Uh, he is the only one on the planet that could condemn us. Look, who is he that condemneth? The only one on the planet that could condemn us would be Christ. But look at this verse. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. But note this, he's not condemning us. He's interceding for us, who also maketh intercession for us. Well, glory to God. He's not condemning us. He's praying for us. What great security then you and I enjoy in Christ. It ought to vanquish fear from our hearts. We see that Christ intercedes for us. Lastly, I'm right now done. Look how that Christ loves us. You want a reason why you not not fear? It's because Christ loves us. What I said there in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distresses, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
Look at, the last, look at the last two verses. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> My goodness. Now, in the preceding verses, verses 31 through 34, Paul proved to us that God would never fail us. But that, that begs the question, what if we fail God? Now, pretty much everybody can swallow the idea that God would never fail us. But what if we fail God? That's what these last four verses deal with, is what if we fail God? Now, this thing of Christ's love, first of all, can I say, it is unconventional. Did you know that sometimes Christ shows his love to you through troubles? That's an unconventional way. That's not the way we think about it. Now, Jason, I'm thinking if I was God, if, you, if a man really could just lose his salvation, then what I would do is when I saved a man, I would shelter him from trouble. That way he could stay saved. But what you and I know through the scripture and also through human experience is that after you get saved, you still have troubles and you still have problems and you still have trials. And those things bring us closer to the love of God rather than taking us away. Those trials, the aim of them is to secure us in Christ, make us more like Him. I showed you that this morning in the scripture. So, it's an unconventional way that Christ loves us. Let me say this. Not only is it unconventional, but it makes us unconquerable. Look at verse 37. Look what he said right there. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, who knows what a conqueror is? You know what a conqueror is? Look at that in the dictionary. A conqueror is someone who has defeated every foe. When you're a conqueror, that means there's no foes left. But the Bible said here that you and I, we're something more than a conqueror. I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's somebody that's vanquished every foe without firing a shot, I reckon. We never had to fire a shot, and yet we've vanquished every foe. We've been given the victory in Christ Jesus alone. But we're, we're unconquerable. I'm talking about your position in Christ. It ought to bring you comfort. It's unconventional. We're unconquerable. But then watch this. It's unconditional. Now I want you to look back at verse 38 and 39. Put 38 up on the screen here. 38. For I'm persuaded, Paul said. So here is the man of God, Paul. Probably, arguably the greatest preacher this side of the Lord Jesus Christ that's ever worn shoe level, uh, shoe leather. And here was what he said. He said, I'm sure of this. Yeah. I'm persuaded. I'm positive. You can't convince me of anything else. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Give me the next one. Uh, 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Hear what Paul said. He said, I'm sure of it. They can't nothing get you out of the love of Christ. I'm sure of it. Now you can take some jackleg preacher's opinion on it if you want to. But I believe I'll stick with what Paul said. Paul said he was persuaded. I'll just go with what the apostle Paul said. Paul said he's as persuaded that once you're in Christ, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. In any of those verses, did you see a condition? In other words, you're going to have to do this and then I'll do that. If you'll act good, I'll stay with you. If you'll live right, I'll love you. If, if you'll do the right thing, I'll... No. No. No conditions on any of this. None of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. Well, you say, but I can do it. I can do it. Are you a creature? We all are. Paul, he named everything that he could think of, and then at the end he said, nor any other creature, nor anything else, no principalities, no powers, no angels, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, I'd ought to earn a hallelujah from the people of God. I'm thankful for that. There's been times when I walked with God, Brother Marvin, and I just felt like you could take the, cut the galluses and I'd just fly right up to heaven. And then there's been times I've felt like the sorriest Christian in the world. I just, I'm just sorry. But nothing that I can do can affect his love for me. You know, today in Walmart, Gabe acted in a ridiculous manner. <laughs> I was aggravating him and I got, I poked a little too much and he got mad and me and him had words on the aisle in Walmart. He's mad and I was mad. You know, that happens occasionally. But that didn't affect my love for him, not one ounce. Still loved him just as much as I ever did. See what I'm saying? That ought to release us from fear. I'm thinking about when D.L. Moody died. I, I, I used to really love to read after Moody. And I love to read after his uh, I love to read after his autobiography and everything. They said before he died that he walked, he got up that morning. He hadn't got out of the bed in several days, but he got up that morning and he walked to the window and he looked out the window. And he walked back to his bed. He put his feet up on his bed and his wife had walked in. He looked at his wife and he laid back on the pillow. And he said, no fear, only peace. And he died. No fear, only peace. Think about what that's worth to you in your heart. This world is scared to death. But I'm glad in the depths and the recesses of my soul, I'm secure in the love of God. No fear, only peace. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight. Been a comfort to our heart tonight, Lord, to know about our security in you, Lord. We know that we don't have to fear. 
What a great truth of the Scripture. Wonderful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that confidence that we have in you. Lord, I pray, God, that we leave here more than conquerors. Lord, as we've studied through Romans 8, it's been such an encouragement to my heart personally. And I pray as we go out into the world this week, we'd go out, Lord, as Christians should, confident, not distracted or discouraged, but serving you. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed Romans 8. I've really enjoyed it. The Lord just laid it on my heart, and so through four services we've dealt with it, and it's been an encouragement to my heart. Anybody got anything for